May 31st, 2012, is Swat from Pedro's show. Thank <laughs> you. 
out there. Swat from Pedro Show. I'm in my Pedro pad. Uh, start off with John Coltrane. I want to talk about you from uh, 1960, if I recall, 62 in Denmark, Copenhagen. Uh, and then it being May 31st, I thought, yeah, maybe I should play some Blue Oyster Cult. Then came the last days of May off their first album there. Uh, before work, second man drummer Jerry Trebitich uh, came over and gave me this little uh, interview, a little spiel about his uh, journey through music. 
And uh, without further ado, here we go, Mr. Jerry Trebitich. How how did you get st started? You were born. I was born. Well, not in Pedro. I was born in Harbor City, which is next door. Right next door, and that's where the hospital was. But I was born there. Of course, I was raised in Pedro. Yeah. Right in right in the middle of town. They always ask me what part of town you're from. I say the middle, because that's where I was in the middle. Yeah, but for some people, they don't know what the middle <laughs> they don't know is. what the middle of Pedro is. I guess it's like where the high school is. Thirteen. Uh, Daniel's Field is right in the middle. Twelve. Yeah, I was right there. Twelfth and Gaffney. Yeah, I, mean, I would call that where, where the high schools both played football and they had soccer yeah. matches on the weekends and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you grew up in the middle. I grew, I grew up. And in when the, did you first get into music? Uh, I'm talking about not playing, just hearing. listening and hearing stuff and listening. I, you know, it's probably when I when I uh, I got my first little transistor radio because we used to have those a lot when we were kids. You know. AM, FM, transistor, but I didn't listen too much to the FM, the AM, and the you AM. You got a radio for Christmas? Uh, okay, I, probably for Christmas, a little yeah. small handheld one, yeah. you know. You put a couple batteries in it, carry the thing around. And I would just, I would flip-flop through the AM channels that were playing music and, and listen to those, you know. Yeah, didn't think too much about the FM in the early days, but, uh, you know. So you're hearing stuff off the radio. I'm That's hearing stuff off music. the radio like, like, like Sweet or, or like T-Rex and stuff like that, you know. Fox on the Run. I remember that that song when I was eight or nine years old, just blasting through that little transistor radio. And no records. No records at the time. My mom used to go and uh, shop around at these thrift stores or places that would be giving stuff away, and she would come home with stacks of singles. And we had a record player in the house, so she'd bring this giant pile of singles, and I'd sit down the record player and I'd put them on one by one, listening to them. You know, Aerosmith. Or the, the, the OJs, or, you know, just whatever singles were... But you weren't getting these. These were from your mom. My mom would pick them up and go, here, listen what, to this stuff. And I go through, you know, you find... Stuff you like. A lot of 70s, 60s and 70s stuff, yeah. Not too much of the Beatles. You're talking about the, the 45s with the big hole. That's right. You had to put the little clip in, or you had to put the little disc on the player and put it at 45. Right. And I would, I would I would play these records and start listening to all this stuff, and I'd hear you know some stuff was good, some stuff was crap. A lot of disco, I guess you know. Whenever they're when did you start buying your own records? Oh, uh, it's probably I was um, junior high. Started buying albums in because I because I was actually what your first album was the uh, first one I bought with money, my own money was I think ACDC Back in Black. I was like 1981 or something like that. So I was about 13 or 14 years old. Okay. And that's because, you know, I was doing little jobs around the neighborhood or whatever, delivering newspapers, mowing lawn. I saved a little bit of money, and that's what I used the money for, is go buy records. Go buy records. Go buy records. And usually try to buy them used, sometimes new. At that time, what was in Pedro? Was Redwood still here? Redwood Records was still there up on Western. Um, well, you know, they were in Pacific before that. Now, I don't remember, don't remember Pacific. That? There was also like, you know. Yeah, they were on Pacific before he, because, do you remember a time that part of Western was open fields? Oh, that was, strip malls way, that was, but that was like, you know, I was in junior high by this time. They had okay. developed that stuff up. When I was a kid, yeah, there you was remember fields? dairy fields. You remember there was cows. There was a dairy. And then Union 76 or something. There was goats oil. out there. There was all kinds of stuff. Yeah. You know, it was all open fields, and then the, the cemetery was there. So when he put that strip, when they put the strip mall in there, or one of them, many of them got put up he there. He moved up there he in the beginning, yeah. So that's where I remember him being, because that's when I was yeah. buying records. And there was, was a already. place next to Vaughn's in Park Western, which is 
maybe one of the first Pedro, like strip mall plazas. Yeah. Right, Western Park. There, Western. Was there? What was up was there? Was there one before that? Vons was there. Save no, Vons was, was there. there. Was there a record music store? store? Chuck Sound of Music. There was a. The, Do you the, remember the, that? that music store? I remember Maybe that. That's before YouTube. No, that had records of, and it had music. Instruments. I sort of remember that, but I don't remember going there very. If long. you're looking at where Vons was, yeah, it'd be to the left, a couple doors. Yeah, I, I, actually, it was next to a Kenny's Shoes that some old lady drove her car through accidentally. Not good. Pretty sure. <laughs> this is a long time ago. The other side of Vaughn's had Dick's Toy Circus. Yeah, that, that was that? like a stationery store. Well, it turned into that later. Yeah. It was Dick's Toy Circus. I remember that place, too. Maybe there was there was Christmas cards and shit in there, but there was toys for sure. Because yeah. uh, the guy there gave me his, I uh, can't remember his name, but he gave me his little H.O. race car set. Yeah, a cat there, believe it or not. Very kind. I guess he was getting too old. Uh-huh. And uh, I remember them picking the cars off because they'd fly off so many times. It was like Hot Wheels. You know, the little sides. So, Redwood, because they did bring in Chain Store, huh? There was, there was warehouse. the warehouse, which was right Later down there, on. across the street at the next strip mall that was built down there. <laughs> Right by the Oshmans, which I used to actually work at. So, uh, you know, that's lots, a whole lots of jobs. Yeah, that's a whole other world. Yeah, now back, <laughs> back back to this. So you're buying your first records. Yeah. Uh, when do you get on this idea of wanting to play? Uh, you know, when, when I was young, my brother always had played, you know, as far as I can remember, he had picked up guitar early. Maybe when I was five or six, he was maybe, he's like four years older than me. And he was playing guitar. He'd started playing when he was eight or nine years old. So he was playing around all the time and always playing records. This is before and you got the radio. Before the radio. But like it didn't really influence me that much. It just he was just my annoying brother who played guitar. Yeah. But as time went on, you know, he was he bought a lot of he liked rock and roll. He liked Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath and rock bands. And what's he doing? Like kinda of trying to play the he's records? He's playing he's playing along with the records, yeah. learning songs and playing his own little songs and you know, always as I was growing up, you know, he's around, he's around playing, and he started having bands, and he'd have them in the bedroom, which you know, my bedroom was. But they're doing prac. They're doing prac now. He kept the shit always set up, and so You're talking drum set, everything, all the crap, all set up in the room. So he had, had some buddies, some I, musician. Yeah, buddies. I like Pedro guys that he went to school with, and uh, you know, the, you can imagine this room's only twelve by twelve. There's two of us living in it. I mean, it's two set, two beds, yeah. two dressers. One closet, a bass amp, a guitar amp, and a drum set. There's like, how much room is really left for me? Nothing. 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 Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the music was around from him. You know. Now, what age are you? You're in grade oh, school. Oh, I'm probably I'm, I'm, uh, elementary school to yeah. junior high. While well, he's, you know, junior high to high school, high school, he's playing in the bands then, and that's about the time. So I was anywhere from like ten or eleven to about fourteen. So yeah. what? When do you eventually? Well, you just the, the, there was always the a drum. Link. There was always a drum set sitting in the yeah. the bedroom, you know. And uh, you know, maybe when I was ten or eleven, I'd sit on it once in a while, bang around on. I really wasn't that good at it because I didn't understand the mechanics of how to make everything you didn't watch make him? sounds. No, I watched the, the guy was, like Donak Ortega was playing drums with Mike at the time. I mean, was my he? brother Mark, Mike Ortega, Mike Nonak. Ortega, yeah. Nonak. Lots of drums out of No Neck. So you're watching him. Watching No Neck, yeah. Maybe, you know, he's 
little spazzy kind of rock and roll drummer. He's not playing anymore, is he? I, I really don't know. I haven't talked to him in a while. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, you know, he so you're watching him. You're watching, watching him, him, kind of getting the idea. And then when he's do. not around, you jump. And then I go and I jump and I bang around. Now, and then I thought, Did you know what? You for I that? Thought, this Did is kind of hard. Out? Huh? Did you ever find out you were on his drums? Oh, I don't think he gave a fuck. Okay. <laughs> he didn't care. He was kind of a freewheeling dude. Yeah, but you know? he didn't know you were on there? You didn't change shit? No, I didn't move the stuff around. You don't want to get caught, you know? Yeah, I know. Moving stuff around. I know how I'd feel if I said the drums that he woke up moving I get pretty much, who's touching my drum, you? So what happened? When you... Yeah, so uh, I, I did that for a little while, and I thought maybe that's not my thing. So I actually bought a bass. And I had like a little three-quarter scale bass. It was Who was like playing a, bass with your brother? Uh, at the time, he went through a couple of different guys. This guy, Todd Conroe. Uh, who else played bass? Jeez, I can't remember. Todd did it for a while, and I can't remember, because like after a while, my brother just did his own thing, and I wasn't paying attention yeah, to his guys after a while. But that was but the guy that originally But you got started. a bass, so this is why I'm wondering if you watched... His bass guys. Yeah, but he was that dude wasn't that good anyway. I just got the bass. Somebody sold it to me for like twenty bucks. I bought a set of strings for it, and and what somehow I, I I got I had a little tiny little little um, sidekick amp or some some kind of thing. How old were you? Uh, maybe twelve. Getting the no. bass, and I started trying to figure. out. I couldn't even tune the thing. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And this guy wouldn't help you? Well, I didn't really ask. I was just doing things on my own and trying yeah. to figure it out. I had a little air organ in the living room, and I tried to use that to tune it. But, uh, you know, I really didn't know what so I was doing. So this thing's in your room with the drum set? And no, the no. I, set. Yeah, yeah. I had the bass, but I didn't have my little amp in there. I had to put it in another room because my brother wouldn't yeah. let me have my thing going right. on in our room. Right. I had to go have my so own space. how long space. did you do that? I tried that for three or four months, and uh, I think maybe I had my brother tune it once for me just to get it tuned. Because yeah. he had perfect pitch, so he could just tune things up really quick on a guitar, yeah. anything, bass. He knew when things were out of tune, he can tell, you know. He was yeah. very quick at tuning. And he tuned it up for me once, but I really didn't pay enough attention to know what I was doing. So I kind of gave up on that, and, uh, and then... Um,
Yes.
Watt for Pedro Show. You just heard Lament for the Leaving of the Isle of Lewis. Brother Steve McKay with, uh, I think, the drummer of Sakara and uh, two people local to where that was played live. Yeah, that was uh, from just about a month ago in Shanghai, China. Brother Steve McKay going there for the first time. Uh, one day I hope to play there too in uh, India and Africa there's so much of the world <laughs> I haven't been to people say I get around but think about it so right on from blazing the trail for me there brother Steve and also Scott Neidegger to helping him get over for that we had the wit of the staircase from Dot Hacker new band with uh, bass brother Jonathan hope to have him on the show soon as a guest Ahead of that was Mother's Milk and Magnets by Robert Pollard off his new solo album. And then Mr. Shimmy with his little solo mini album, I guess that's what he calls it, 60% of Places in the Moonlight. In front of that was Leave My Body by Yo Mama. Something new from John there in Nashville. He's got a whole album coming out, or maybe it's a double album. <laughs> He's got a buttload of music coming. Can't wait to play it. And we started off with Coming Back from Sawako. Uh, we continue on now with uh, uh, the musical journey of uh, San Pedro drummer Jerry Trebitich. I was I was in junior high and I had a friend who I knew from elementary school, this guy Matt Chamberlain, who still plays today. He's a drummer. He's a drummer. He's, he's kind of a well-known guy for studio work. And uh, and I knew him since second grade, and he was playing in marching band over there at Dana. And he asked, he goes, hey, you want to play drums? Come over here and just join the class. You don't need to know what you're doing. So I said, okay. And I went in there. They don't really do trap set, right? No, it's tenor drum, drum, snare, bass drum. Everybody's playing. It's for marching. Usually single drum, sometimes tritom, the three drum thing that you mount in front. It's for marching. For marching, yeah. But it's all, you know, everybody playing is in the song. Rhythm part. You can learn the basics. You just use your it's arms. For parades. And marching for, in place uh, kind of thing. Getting the spirit up at the football games. Yeah. Good way to get your chops from the basic, I don't With know no what I'm doing. Kit. No trap kit. The, the, some guys did in, in junior high play trap. Oh, in but the, they were the orchestra. Band. They were part of the orchestra, yeah. and they're playing the orchestra. This isn't that. This is just like a marching band marching. thing. So I decided to go and do that. And then he also was playing in a, a youth band, which is like a summer band. It was for kids from around the schools to join. So in summertime, they can go march parades and do field shows. This is a school. This is no. This club. is outside the school. It's private. It was a youth band. And it was just the kids from Boys the local club. schools coming in. You can only be 21 years or younger, you know, and, and you age out after, you know. So, so it was all kids. And he got me to join that. And that turned out to be much How better. How do you get into it? He just found it. I mean, like the kids in the local junior high and high school they knew about it. And they would go and they'd tell him, yeah, you know, we're playing this youth band during the summer to keep our chops up and do our thing. So What was it part of? It was really kind of private, but they were associated private. with some of the school directors, music directors in the area. But it wasn't school yeah. uh, affiliated in any okay. way. It was just so you start playing with these. So guys. I started playing with them, and the guy that was that was instructing the drums in there. Uh, that wasn't just marching. It was marching. And it was doing field shows though, like okay. formation field shows. You know, like when you go out in the football. But no band. But not regular rock and roll yeah. band. It was just to me. We're not a rock thing. band, like because uh, at school the bands weren't really rock. No, a marching band thing. But it's, no, no, not marching band. I'm saying separate from marching band. 
there was well, we had them at Dotson, and Pedro High had them too. There was a band orchestra, yeah, this orchestra, yeah. which is no, no. This was like a marching band. And it was kind of like a brass band. But, but, most of the stuff, yeah, yeah. Most of the guys in it's woodwinds, horns, just like you were in a high school band, tuba. But they're playing, stuff. sitting down, marching parades. You had people with flags. No, Jerry, you know, I'm talking about the other side of it. Oh, the other side. Oh, the orchestra. Where they're sit because a lot of those people were in both. Yeah, orchestra was in, in school was more also or less they had from, violins. Yeah, the orchestra they had cellos. They would have the school production, and the orchestra would be playing the music yeah, for the school right. production. And they, like, or assemblies. That's really back when they like like schools had good budgets for the, the music yeah. programs, which I don't right. think they do right. as much anymore. Unless you go private. We're school. talking about older days, Jerry. Anyway, older. This is I don't think this they is they the do way either. back. I machine. think they only use bands now for marching at sports things. I, yeah, I mean, unless you're in college where they have big programs. No, I'm talking about the high school. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. High school. Because Fleet told me this is the reason why he started his Silver Lake Music Conservatory, because he went back to Fairfax and there was no more music program. It was it was wiped out. I mean, that's kind of the... And he said that's how what got going on, on music, it. so he thought he got weirded out and went and did that. But anyway, so... You're playing with so the playing marching with, band, you're playing with the youth band in yeah, the summer. The mar- the youth band, Las Caballeros. Yeah, like cowboys. Yeah, the, yeah. So what do you get? So I, I, I learned my chops doing that. I kind of worked my way up from playing bass drum no, to try toms to no, snare. No, when do you get on the uh, trap? The trap? Well, that came at the same time. So what I did was I was playing marching band. I started getting better with my chops. And I had some money left over from some oddball jobs I've been doing. And I found a newspaper for an old black Premier drum set for sale, hundred bucks. You weren't jumping on the other kit. There wasn't a kit over in the marching band. No, no. I'm oh, about back in the bedroom. bedroom. Oh, I, I banged on it a little bit, but by this time, my brother had moved the band out of the oh. bedroom, and he was in the garage, and then he was out of the garage. My dad kind of ran him out of the house, so he went someplace else to okay. practice. The band, poof, all the gears gone, poof, yeah, bang, no gone. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There's no trap set. At but the you house go room. and you buy one. So I go and buy one after I'd done my. Time, a little time learning my chops in marching band and, and uh, put it in the side room. We had a sewing room in our house and I put it in there. I turned that into my bedroom and I just kept the drums in there and I kind of soundproofed it and I ba- started banging away out there on the drums, you know. And uh, To what, like records? Just the records. I, yeah, I had little headphones yeah. and I plug it into my little Walkman and I play cassettes, yeah. play along with it, play along with the radio, whatever. What about and Chamberlain? He show you Chamberlain? Uh, no, he was kind of doing his own thing. You know, he played marching band, and then he just he bought a drum set, and he had like a little trailer in his backyard. He stuck it in there, and then he just disappeared into the trailer. I never saw him again. You know, kind of t- call him up once in a while to get him to go do something. Most of the time, he was in the trailer playing his drums, and oh. you know, going so, going quick through the. Uh, but he quit the youth band. He staffed for a couple of years. He wasn't doing it. Neither was I. I lost interest. But it did give me my chops, you know, yeah. if I could, I can have hand chops. Yeah. And I had to learn the feet part by buying Well, traps is a whole thing. Yeah, yeah. it's a whole different yeah. monster. It's like, you know, you're not marching in place and doing parades in 105 degrees down desert streets. No, but was, it can get sweaty. <laughs> it does get sweaty, but, you know, just like I was turned off by marching in 105 degrees down the desert street. That was that, After that, I said, I'm done. <laughs> A lot of the gigs seem like they're like marching down the street at 100 degrees. No shit. But I'm sitting down. But it's different. Or <laughs> bouncing different. on the tailbone. It's different because I want to be in that 105 degree club or whatever. Anyway, you start playing on this thing. When do you start playing with other people? Well, that took a while. I, um, I didn't have a lot of confidence in the beginning. So, 
So you're just jamming to headphone stuff. Headphone stuff, and then after a while, you know, my my uh, you know my, my parents split up, and when that happened, we, we had a we had a house that was in the backyard that nobody lived in, and it was full of junk. And we got rid of all the junk. We threw it all away. And once we're done, there was, there's a two-room house in the back. So I took one of the rooms and soundproofed it up and put the drums back there. So I had bigger room to go prac in. Now it was yeah. big enough I could But you're still it. by yourself. Still by myself, okay. just banging away at it. And uh, and just, I think, maybe four or five years of just playing on the drum set, just to records and just jamming, not playing with anybody. Really? Just to I, I kind of I, I needed to get my confidence. I never felt yeah. confident enough to call somebody up and say, "Hey, I want to play drums in your band." Yeah. I didn't think I'd be good enough, and I I don't know if it was like a fear. Well, it came eventually. Yeah, yeah. Well, I what mean, came? After a while, what happened? Did somebody pluck you, or did you call someone? No, I actually I called. I found an ad in so the you recycler. Did call someone. I found an ad in the recycler magazine, you know, papers, a newspaper that sold stuff, you know, musical instruments. It was a free weekly. Yeah, it was a free weekly. It also no, had the this, ads were free. I think it cost yeah, us a dollar. Band seeking drummer, drummer seeking band, that kind of thing. But use cars, all my music everything. Yeah, equipment. yeah, a lot of equipment, computer shit, all uh, my old computers. bicycles, you old name Macs it. Yeah, were from it, there. it was just like it was like a penny saver on steroids, or what they call it now, Craigslist. Yeah. It was very useful in the old days. And um, I answered an ad. Well, that, is that where you got your drum set? No, I, no. Yeah, yeah. I think I did. Right? Yeah. You said I found you got it on the ad. Okay. So I had so now, this. Now there's a personal ad different than selling yeah. something. What, these guys are looking for a drummer? I was looking for somebody seeking drummer. You put an ad in. No, I was looking for somebody seeking drummer. Okay. Band seeks you're, drummer. You're looking for ads. You found an ad. Pretty much, yeah. yeah, yeah. So band seeking drummer. Right, you call up this number. I called the number, was, and it turned out to be Johnny Aralika, you know, and, and it wasn't Tone Vitisich, who's also you know a friend of ours. Yeah. But it was Johnny. He was a teenager, maybe fifteen or sixteen, and a couple years older than him, and he was looking for a drummer. So I answered the ad, and I brought the drums over to his mom's house and started playing with him there. Did he have a band, or was it no, just... No, it was just Johnny writing songs, and he kind of had an idea. He had his friend Phil playing bass, who wasn't really that good, and, uh, you know, and he had ideas. So you start jamming with him. So I jam with him, and it, had, it went like for a little while. And, working and, out his own songs. Yeah, working so out. It, it all sounded like U2 to me, because he was way into the U2 thing. Back then, but you guys weren't really copying. You were doing no. We did a couple songs. covers, but mostly like trying to do Johnny songs, yeah. doing some covers too, just to kind of get it together. How old I, are you? Yeah, I was maybe eighteen or nineteen. Eighteen, just out of high school. Yeah, just about the time when I started making phone calls, right out of high school. And then uh, and, for a few months, yeah, that didn't last too long. But I, I, I totally stayed friends with him because he's a good guy. So you know, yeah. I eventually figured I'd do something else with him, which I did. And then I, I went back to the paper and looked for another ad, and I found this uh, ad for another band-seeking drummer, and there's this guy, John Martisich, who's in town, who's a, yeah, sure. who's a you know, punk rock bass player, and he had a studio, and he basically had himself, you know, and, and he needed to put the band together, so he put the dr seeking drummer, seeking guitarist, yeah. I showed up, so it started out with just me and him playing, and then he, his, his ads, tunes? It was, it was his tunes, yeah, kind of, kind of straight. Punk almost sounded a little bit like X, you know. He yeah. was looking for a female singer. He loved X, so he was like looking for a female singer to do that, you know, that that off key kind of double vocal thing like like X does. And he, he, everybody he searched for, he put those, you know, influences, and that's yeah. what he got. And it started sounding like that. But who's the other guys? The, the other guys, guys? are uh, a guy named Dean, guitar player. 
uh, uh, I can't remember Dean's last name. And then Megan Hoffman, she was a singer, a girl from Torrance. Yeah. And then uh, Bill Inkowitz, who's a local guitar player here yeah. in town that uh, was playing some band. He had been in the Upsetters, and he had a band called Population 3 and some of the bands in town. We got him to play. And he was uh, he was really good. You know, at the time, I mean... So what are you doing? I mean, You're just jamming. You guys don't do any gigs. No, we did get we we just started oh. we started getting the songs together. So these are your first gigs. We started, this this has come up to my first gig. Really, yeah. my first gig was uh, was doing it with those guys. So we practiced for a few months and we got down about eleven or twelve songs, all just kind of short. Set. They got us set enough, and he booked us a show at the Dan- Dancing Waters here in San Pedro. Yeah. And so I just told everybody about it, and I, you know, and, and we got this band. We went up there and did it, and uh, Watford Pedro show. Uh, Yet another chunk of spiel from uh, Jerry Trepetich, San Pedro drummer man, longshore man, family man, and a good cat. And uh, his story's interesting. You know, uh, I'm learning stuff, and I've been playing with the guy 17 years. Uh, um, I got no gigs this weekend. God, when was the last time that happened? There was one time this year so far it was like that. But yeah, kind of trippy. Brother Sam out in uh, Brighton, England wants me to uh, lip sync a... No, he really wants me to sing from the kayak. <laughs> I'll tell you about it more. It's uh, May 31st, 2012, Watt Pedro show, first hour. Hold tight for hour two. May 31st, 2012. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro show.
Todd from Pedro Show. Started the second hour off there with uh, Death Watch on the American Empire by Damsel. Damsel, a band with, uh, again, Brother Jonathan, bass man for uh, Dot Hacker, along with uh, the drummer Zach Man from Sacktown. Uh, what's his band called? God, it was two guys, and then it was five, and now it's back to, t I don't know what it is now, but, uh, yeah, brother, uh, Nick did something with him, too, called Bygones. Well, anyway, Nels Klein's part of it, too, as you might well tell by the guitar. Uh, man, I can't, can't think of what band? Uh, here, we'll play more of the Jer interview. Uh, second man drummer, Jerry Trebitich. Also, uh, I should say, uh, former Madonna B drummer also. Uh, continue on with his uh, self-explained journey through music, about from Pedro show. Uh, and it went pretty good. It went all right. We, we drew What's a lot of big calls. It was called Joyride. Yeah, joyride. joyride, and now there's another Joyride now Steve that is Soto. Another, it was yeah, Steve Soto, the bass man from Agent Orange. And yeah, Alice. that's a totally different thing. But this I know, is but that was that that was an Orange County one. You know, I don't Steve, know what year. He, remember for a while he was a doorman at Doll Hut. Yeah, big butt. But what? But what year did he, I don't know what year he started his Joyride mm. because this was in 1987. So maybe no. He wasn't, he, I think it's a little later, his joy. Right? Yeah, so we already had it. But then again, it's such a simple name. I'm sure there was every city had a freaking joy right going on. Well, I just know Steve Soto's. Yeah, yeah I've, heard of, I've heard of his too. But this is, the you know. Okay, so thing. how long this last? Do you but guys this one, record it? I, yeah, we recorded a couple songs. I, I, I wish I knew where they were. They're probably on cassette somewhere in my, my garage. I, could, I, I should fish them out. I, I think there was something. We made a little demo. And yeah. this was song. That's as far as it went? What we happened? did some shows. We did a few shows, and uh, uh, what happened was the, the band was kind of starting to falter after about a year. People kind of were starting to waver and go their own way. Yeah. And uh, John was thinking about restructuring the band, so he decided, he goes, I might get this new guitar player. So he gets this new guitar player, and everybody else is gone. So it's just me, John, this new guitar player. I go and do a now show. Why are they gone? I don't know what John's <laughs> they up just to. Just He's like, I'm not in charge of the band. I was just okay. the drummer, and it just, everybody's gone. And now it's this other dude. Okay. And we do a show basically with no prac at a party in Pedro. And right after the show, uh, I'm, uh, I, you know, I just I just started going to college, and that was like the first week of school. I went to my buddy's house after after school. He had a big half pipe ramp that we had built. And I was riding the half pipe ramp, and I went flying off the top of the half pipe, and I landed right on my arm, and I just snapped it in half like Gumby, just oh. just totally snapped my arm. No, and Gumby that was it. would have been all bendy. Yeah, yeah, that's what it looked like. It was all bendy. It was yeah. like perpendicular wrist. Yeah, you know? it would have broke. He's <laughs> like clay. Luckily, you know, my arm was there to break my fall. Otherwise, I would have cracked my head open. I don't think I was even wearing a helmet. No, so, you should have uh, fucking tucked your. Shoulder in and did the roll. Oh, I, I launched off the top of the ramp. I was, I was twelve. And you would tuck it in, twelve feet straight up in the air and, and then straight the down. Wheel. I came down like like a giant hailstone and just crashed. You fall enough, you start. Yeah, there was no tuck and roll. <laughs> yeah. It was just just dead stop. This tuck and look. <laughs> Tuck, tuck and roll is good if you're going forward, Mike, and you have forward or momentum. Back. This is this is uh, look, this is vertical momentum. Last uh, week at the Alcazar in Seville, <laughs> I went down and I tucked and rolled. 
Tuck and roll, man. I, 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 I believe in it thoroughly. Don't worry. Yeah. I, I know the worst thing that. you can do is put your arms out because this is what happens. Yeah, But it's a natural instinct. Remember, uh, I dislocated my arm and coming through that hatch last fall. Yeah, yeah. It's a I've natural also, thing to do. But what you want to do is kind of fight it and tuck in. I spent a lot of my use So what happened? Skate. You're out of action. You can't play drums. I know my tuck and roll. Uh, yeah, so I can't play drums. John, and I call John up yeah, and go, hey, John, I, I, I broke my arm. I can't do the gig coming up. And he goes, you're fired. And I go, what? He goes, fucking ride that skateboard. You're fired. And that was it. He just fired me right there. And I was like, I lost my first gig. Yeah, because I broke my arm. I didn't feel like it was for my plane. It was more for my hands. you seen him lately? Yeah, he lives in Colorado. I haven't oh, okay. seen him in a while. Gotta wait till you go out on tour. He lives in Crested Butte. It's kind of hard to get up there. Yeah. to do like a, you're doing some kind of alpine gig. Snowboard. <laughs> I like snowboard. I'm no, but there's a circuit where people play snowboard clubs. We should so. do that. Because well, then, that's I, one reason, then I have a chance that's to That's one way to see him. So yeah. what happens, Jerry? You got to heal up from So the, I got to heal up. I'm out of that. And I was like, well, you ain't playing man, drums I'm shot out. That band's all shot out. I'm out for a couple months because yeah. I'm, I'm in a bent arm cast. I really fucked so my So you arm. get it off? You start playing again? I start getting off. It took a while to get the, the muscles yeah, back and everything. It takes a while. Of course. And uh, this is probably what the time. I'm, I'm, I'm about 21 at the time, 20 or 21. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of floundering around with not what to do. And, and, and I start playing with a guy named Joe DeLiva in town and his friend Sean Mitchell. And they play all covers. Yeah. So, But they were better players. They are better than what I was doing before, which always seemed to be my goal as I went along bands. I got to find How'd guys. How'd you find Joe DeLiva? Joe DeLiva, uh, he was friends with some guys I knew in town. And just I saw his, his cover a drummer. Band. I can play drums. Well, he's, he had a cover band going for a while, and yeah. those guys kind of did their, they split up and they weren't doing it. So I, I just got a hold of them. I knew. You I knew, told them to do it. Yeah, I thought it would be a good idea to do it. Let's get something going. You did they, it. I, so you weren't joining this time. Well, they already had their little thing. You yeah, know? right. And I just got there and I go, hey, why don't we just start doing this? We'll do some covers. And then we'll play some shows. So you're asking him like to regroup. So yeah, Sean Mitchell, the guitar player, sure. and he said, sure, we can go down to my dad's basement practice, brought the drums over there and did yeah. the same thing, started doing tunes, and started playing parties and gigs with these guys for a while. What they called? Getting, they were, what we called? The, we called it the gear. The gear. The gear. That's, that, was our, that was our code word for Motha back then. Getting some gear, you know, a sack. Whatever. Okay. Getting the gear. So, that, so that, after that? That went for a while, and, uh, and then... Uh, and what happened with it? I don't know. It just, sputtered? It was a, it's, a, sputtered? It's, a, it's, a, it's a cover band. It sputtered. It yeah. sputtered. Whatever. No recording. No record. I don't know. I, I did. So some, what was the thing after that? I think I got all hostile at some Fourth of July party with some idiot threw a M80 next to my head. I'm near to blew my eardrum out. You know. And I got so you got hostile. In your I got hostile guys because it was one of their buddies that fucking oh. did it. <laughs> that's why. Okay, like so that's fr- over. Your then. friends are not my friends. Yeah. So what's the next music <laughs> thing? That's over. But the plug is yanked on that dream. Yeah. <laughs> So it was that. So the, the 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 ambition after that was like I got to start doing original bands because I like that better. So I I go out and I, I answer another recycler ad for some dude in Manhattan Beach. This guy his name is Al Lay. Yeah. And uh, I go answer the ad and he's just playing. He's got some rock and roll guitar player guy and we're just doing Beatles like song. He was way into the Beatles, like to sing like Paul, play poppy bass. Yeah. That kind of thing. Started doing that with him for a while and we we. Uh, 
we found another guitar player that worked with the guy. They both worked at, at, at Warehouse Records. They, yeah. These guys were, were audiophiles. They just love rock and roll. They lived West there. Side, though, not Pedro. Yeah, over there, over there in Manhattan Beach. Yeah. And um, So I started playing with them. Every weekend for maybe two, two and a half years, I'd drive all the way up Manhattan Beach to go play in his garage. And no, no gigs? No gigs. Just not for jam. a while. First couple of years, just jammed. First year with the wow. first guitar player. No, no, we did do a This a is gig. the band that ended no, up called I, the Charms, right? No, no, no. And this is not. This is oh, not it's not? No, not the Charms. But I, I did some high school gig with the first guitar player. And then when the second guitar, guitar, guitar player came along, we did a couple club gigs in L.A. What were they we, called? It was We called it Psychoacoustic. Okay. Psycho. But the Charms were from over there, too, right? They were. and I Did, did they know each other? No. 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 But uh, while I was playing with those guys, this is in the early 90s, 91, 92, um, I was kind of getting tired of doing what I was doing with them because I, cause it was like a lot of playing music and, and crying and bitching about little small things that didn't matter and not really going out and gigging and staying busy. They so never recorded? We were just in the garage, a little four tracks, yeah. little tasking Crack. shit. Yeah, just turd recording. As a matter of fact, those both those guys in that band turned out to be recording engineers later. One of them taught... In one of the largest recording schools in Northern California, and the other guy worked for um, uh, he worked for A and M Records as a as a. As but what happened engineer. at the same time? You spun the out on this. That thing, I'm getting bored with it. Yeah. So I go, I get the recycler again, man. It was my Bible finding yeah. rock bands. Well, everybody. And I was looking for somebody to want. I was always thinking, as I just want to go on tour and get out of town. The hell with this shit, you know. I just I'm tired of fucking around with guys that. Seem interested in doing it, but aren't really. That's not really their goal. Is to, you, you know, still got that same drum set that you had from the first. Nah, I had this white kit that I got. Oh, from so you Mike got Ortega. another cut? I got another kit. I didn't have the black one. I had bought another kit, a white okay. kit from Mike Ortega. What was that black one? Uh, Premier. I, I ended Premier? up selling it. to What somebody. was this white one? The white one was a Ludwig, and it came. It was all multicolored, different. Premier, things. you know that was Keith Moon. Yeah, but this one was kind of old, and it really had crazy. It wasn't very sturdy. It was like, you know, it didn't take a lot to strip stuff on it. Like, you know. What about the Ludwig? The Ludwig was better. It was a more like an American late 60s, early 70s model. You know, Premier's remember the orange? England, right? Remember the silver swirl and the orange swirl ones that they Pre- had? Was, Premier, Premier's England, right? Yeah, English drums. The Ludwig were American. Yeah. So I got all these random drums. and I Oh, it wasn't the same kit. But they're all Ludwig. So it's pieced together. It's pieced together, different all different Ludwig yeah. drums. And I, I ordered some uh, stuff that's kind of like similar to Formica that they use for covering drums on the outside, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a countertop kind of material. Sure. And I ordered it all white. And what I did is I got a heat gun. And I tore I tore off all so the old stuff. So made them all look like made them know. all white. I did it all myself. I recovered the drums, which I'll probably never do again because that was a headache. That was hard to do. It took a lot of work. It took days and lots. Probably of... trippy with the acoustics. I don't know. I mean, they it didn't mute them up. No, no, because it's on anyway, the outside. It's on the outside of the show. You went and you a- answered some more ads. Yeah, yeah, I had this kit at the time, and then and then I answered another ad, and uh, and this time it was for a band who was looking for a drummer to go on tour. And they happened to be in Manhattan Beach. And they, they were in Hermosa Beach, Hermosa. which is close to by next, right door. next door. And uh, and I and I was still playing with the other guys in Manhattan, and I just I answered this ad, and I went. To oh, since meet. you're driving out there anyway. Yeah, I thought, well, I'm going to look for something. Uh oh, keep going. We got intermission music. Why, sucker? Hey, Rudy. I'm good. I'm doing an interview right now with Jerry Trevitich. Yeah. It's heavy, huh? 
I'll help you out with it. I'll help you out with it. Call me tonight. Okay, Rude. You too, stay safe. He's reading The Road by Cormac McCarthy. I gave it to him. Yeah. It's a heavy father and son thing at the end of the world.
from Pedro show uh, started that chunk of music out with edifice of shit by no youth and spitting in the infinity's asshole by coffin worm after that spitting in infinity spitting in infinity's asshole <laughs> that was tough kittens after that kachinas uh, death of Gus by Brett Netson hot stupid by black bananas out for that, finally, something live from Home and Garden from last summer, Heaven. Brother Tony on the bass. Here's more Jared Trebitich and his journey through music. Anyway, anyway so, so you answer this ad so for a band that's going to go torn, so they're going to get out of town. Yeah, they got. so I, I go, I finally found a way to get on the road and do, and do this. Because yeah. I figure at this point, I've been, doing, I've been doing bands for about six years or so. Yeah. And I've gotten better as I've gotten in better bands. I've... I brought up my my chops and I kind of like got a better understanding how to play rock band. So I I, I answer this ad and the guys have me meet me down at the poop deck, which is this little bar that's down at Hermosa Beach, right on the on the strand. And they come over and they meet me there and by go, Lighthouse. Yeah, right down there at the end of Pier Avenue. Yeah. So I go down to this place and it's like ten cent beer night. They got little Dixie cups they fill with beer, ten cents a piece. You buy ten of them at a time and just. Dude, it was it was it was total binge drinking college night kind of thing. But it was like, man, there's no college there. It's so funny. Yeah, but that's it the way. It, like that's the way it was. Yeah, that's the way it, it seems just like outside of a college. Yeah. And, and uh, I show up and uh, and I meet the guys and they started talking to me. Well, yeah, talking whatever, drinking beers. I end up getting hammered with these guys. Yeah. And before the end of the night, this is they, the charms. The charms. Yeah, this is the charms. This ends up being the band, the charms. And they told me. Uh, at the end of the night, I'd, I'd sit there and got drunk with them and had a few laughs. And go, oh, you're in the band. No audition. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing at Just all. They had no clue, and I was in the band. And I go, you guys only want to hear me play first? No, that's all right. You're great. You know, you're a funny guy. You kind of remind us of some kind of frizz. We're going to call you frizz. Yeah. They started calling me this name frizz, which I, I could not stand at all. I hated it. So I started playing with them, and... No, you start going on tour. Well, you know, start doing gigs and stuff. You know, they had a record coming out, and they had already made the record when I showed up, so I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I started doing local gigs with them, whatever, and get ready. And the, the plan was that for the record to come out, they go do the tour after the record came out. So when the record comes out, you know, they give me a copy of it, and I pop it open, and I'm looking at the name of the guys in the band, and they got the name of the drummer, Frizz Quadrata. And this was all printed up before I ever showed up. But so you're they, not on the record anyway. I'm not on the record, but they started calling me Frizz yeah. just to fit the name of the name they stuck on the record before I ever showed up. Yeah. So whoever and walked in... Fact, into, that guy... Yeah, whoever the drummer that was going to walk in the band was going to be No, but Frizz. the guy who's on the recording actually... No, there was four guys on the recording. And they don't have a, their names. No, they have their names. Additional drummers oh, on the bottom. What that's what it says. Additional drummers. But they made, invented this persona. Yes, for, right. And I walk into persona. Okay. You know. So you start touring with them. This so, is but your then, first then, tour. Yeah, I do. Yeah, then I'm, I'm with them for a while and I went out and did a tour up to the northwest, up and down the coast. Yeah. And... Uh, Learned a little bit about what it's like to go on the road with a bunch of guys stuffed in a van and 
and play music, and it, it was fun. I, you know, I liked it. You know, I got a, I got a taste of it, and this is what I want to do. But then something happened. I guess it was the, the, the way of that band. They ended up uh, giving me, the, you know, the, the boot. And I thought, you know, what did I do wrong? Well, really, I didn't do anything wrong. They fired drummers. Oh no! But what, <laughs> didn't something did. happen in the boat? Oh, I got into I got into a little scuffle. Baseman with the baseman because we didn't get along too well on the tour. He was kind of a he was a little uptight on the tour for some reason. We were, we had to crash out in the van one night in our sleeping bags, and uh, it wasn't a big van. It was just a regular you know Econoline standard, yeah, three quarter ton or whatever. Short boy, and uh, and they had the little box in the back with the loft, and then they had the bench and the floor. And I was on the floor, and the baseman was on the bench. We're in the sleeping bag. We're yelling at each other in the van, like two in the morning, freezing our asses off in Spokane, Washington. And all of a sudden, fists start flying. And you know, I don't know if you ever tried to fight in a sleeping bag when you're laying on the floor with some dude on the bench above you. But you really don't have much of a chance of winning. Yeah, you can't even defend yourself. It's like there's no chance. You're just you're just going to get pummeled, and and that was it. And so was the band after that. Now the band after that. Was that uh, Billy? No, no. Uh, after I did that, I, I I played in something called McGregor's Garden for a little while down in Orange County. It was just kind of trippy, weird pop music, and I wasn't really too into it. Really How'd you find him? Recycle, recycler again. At, at this point, I, I'm starting to realize that I don't know if the recycler was the best way to go. You know, I keep running wow. into this. It was a way. Yeah. Since yeah. I really didn't have like a lot. And of, Pedro didn't you, have a lot of things going. Yeah, there wasn't a ton of people in town that I, I knew to play yeah. with. And, so why uh, not? I didn't know all the people. It's like rolling playing. the dice. So you play with these cats for a little while. In for Orange a little County. while, I record some stuff, and then. And oh then, really? Yeah, I recorded. Was it songs. released? Uh, the guy put it out on a cassette. I never. I don't think I ever got a copy that, of it. That would have been your first recording. Uh, no, it was Joyride. They released a cassette. That, oh, they, they, did, they did release a cassette. We did record a couple songs and released a cassette. Well, you said you. Uh, no, okay. we did. We did. It was like it was like a demo cassette, but it got handed out to people, and it was actually a release. Okay. And then, um, and uh, what uh, happened with that project? That thing, I don't know. I just kind of left. It, the, the first. One of the first gigs I do with the guy, the, the lead singer guy, got so fucking drunk on margaritas. He played like shit. It just was fucking embarrassing. You, know? so you didn't want to be, and in I just thing. didn't want to be to do with it after the embarrassment. You know. So what's after this? So after this, I, I, I come back to Pedro. I got a I got a buddy Pete Sebastian and played in a bunch of different Pedro bands that I knew of. I got together with him and uh, and Migs Deliva, who got me to do some yeah. one off school project with him and my friend Johnny to go play up at Marymount one time so I called him up and I got Pete and Pete knew this girl Andrina that lived up in LA and we got together and formed this band called Sugarcoat and started playing pop songs and I think that's where I first kind of ran into you once that's or twice because I was using Borelli's pad to practice. Linus Linus no this is before Linus what for Pedro show I uh, didn't mean to cut you off, Jer. I'm cutting this thing into chunks and got music in between. And, uh, of course, the best way was pr- probably big shotgun the whole thing through. But Jer told me he thought it might go uh, good with uh, mixed in with music. He was, you know, okay, Jer knows how to yammer, but he's still kind of a shy guy, man. He really is modest cat. And uh, so he asked me to interleave with some music there. Uh, so, uh, wow, we're going to come up on the end of the second hour here. 
Yeah. Move right along. Okay. It's the second hour of the May 31st edition, 2012 edition of the Watt from Pedro show. Hold tight for hour three. May 31st, 2012. It's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro show.
shop, yeah. Jaggers, 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 fish shop, yeah. Oh, I said it out. Jaggers, 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 fish shop,
for Pedro show start off the third hour with arresting your eyes uh, off the brand new yucca album I think they say yucca but the only yucca I know in Japan is yucca Honda <laughs> anyway <laughs> maybe that's how the, they say it here in Spanish too maybe I'm just an idiot okay probably so uh Bakamai. Mate by Ir Diorama Ir. Then Jagger's Fish Star Jagger's Fish Shop. Fuck. The nice sharp pencils. Off their brand new album. But I have a record two years ago that Ben gave me and some tunes are on that. I In fact Jagger's Fish Shop's on it, so I don't know. It's got confused. Maybe there there are some differences. Four or five songs are different from both discs, but they're two years apart. So anyway, I don't care when it was made. I love nice sharp pencils. And we heard Seasick after that, Al's song. I think they're from up in Berkeley. Uh, I'm going to try to play there in the fall. Got a tour coming. Uh, and finally, uh, The Lone Gun by Fist Fight in the parking lot and Somebody Else by The Scapegoat. Uh, back to Jer, Jerry Trepatich, drummer, man from San Pedro with the beat in his hand and a story to yammer on you. But like I was doing... Ain't that much later on. Not much, but it was like, like a year. This was like 93, 94, yeah. I was doing this Sugarcoat band, this pop band, and it was going really good, and and uh, I thought... You're cracking at Burley. Cracking at Burley. this is in my prac building yeah the same room, the hall. same building you're in yeah across hall he's in the old uh showers yeah it's old tile it's old it's in the old in sinks and i'm in the old shitters yeah yeah old shitters it is <laughs> dude it was a row of them i had to yeah. yank them all out yeah. i left actually one in at the you can't see it because shit's covering it but i mean stuff but uh, does it still flush? No, no, no. I turned off the water oh, and everything. I, I, I was using it as a prop. It was holding up something. Oh. But then it got buried with all the it other stuff. Would have been good if it was still working because you could no, drop odor in your prac pad. Yeah, but odor. yeah, but you flush it down. You left the one in, in the, on the other side of the hall. That one works. How come yours didn't? That's work? what we did. That was the plan. Let that one be it because oh. it's not in the chamber with us. <laughs> come on, man. It's like a prison dude. cell. So okay, you're playing with these guys. So I'm playing with those guys, and and, and we, we of course we I know Migs. You know Migs. And he's yeah, a we, teacher now. Yeah, and actually, he's great a, bass player. Actually, yeah, he's a, I think he's a, he's a union representative for his his local in Torrance, where he's used to be a teacher for a while. Now he works. Um, UTI. He's a union yeah. side. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm playing with them for a while. Do a demo. Things are going great. Yeah. Looked like it was going to get signed. You know, Tommy. Tommy Davis was helping us yeah. out. He had worked at Epic at the time, so he's trying to shop us to Epic. And it was going well. It's going well, and then uh, you let Burley record you. No, no, we went to a real yeah. studio and did it. Um, 
and it, the, the the demo came out good and everything, and it was we we had you know feelings about the guitar player. We kind of told him, you know, we, we he either got to get it together, or we got to get somebody else, and he was kind of coming along slow. So finally, we just decided to scissor the guitar player and bring in another guy that was a studio guy, which is probably in hindsight the worst thing we could have done because that kind of killed the vibe of the band. Yeah, you know, and that was like it was a bad idea. Plus, the girl was kind of she would uh, pre disaster shit. She kind of make things go drama. Wrong. Yeah. Drama. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, so that band. That thing kind of gone, and, and and while I was um, doing that and using, I was using a practice pad over here in, in Gardena at the time. We had moved on from Borelli's. While I was playing in there, and, and Sugarcoat was kind of falling apart, there was a heavy metal band called Chiselhead. They went in there and started playing with them because I'd never done metal before, and I didn't know what the deal was with it. And they kind of just let me go in there and play. And the drummer was a singer, so he just got up front and sang, and I played drums. Yeah. And uh, I played in that for a while. And um, uh, during that time is when I was doing Linus. And which I was, was doing, which was just all Pedro people yeah. that I knew, Joe, Joe uh, DeLiva yeah. and Mike Bailey and yeah. these kids from, from um, Ska Band, uh, um, you know, Donald and Sam and those guys. And the horns. Yeah, yeah, the horns. It was an improvised band. Talia was a singer. Yeah, Melting Pot, the guys from Melting Pot. And then Talia coming in and just improvising. There's a bunch yeah. of people. And I had guest people come in and whoever I can get to play. And I did probably like 70 shows with this band and I think we rehearsed once. So that was... It was a jam band. It was a jam band. But we ended up with songs because you jam all the time with yeah. the same people and turn into songs. And we're doing that and... Uh, I think that's how you came across me at the point because you came Sacred down to some huh? Sacred Grounds. I was doing the show there, and you and you were hanging out there one night, and the zombie play down there doing this thing. Well, I was still. I always had three or four bands going at one time. I mean, I was just. I'm always was going at it with different. Yeah, but that thing fell apart. Yeah, right? some stuff were bands that were like band. And the chisel head. What you quit that? I still. I still did that for a while. I did that for about. What four about or five the years. even? Uh, even Rude. Yeah. Uh, that that was like the, the end of Chiselhead was the beginning right. of Even Rude. That's what I thought. And Chiselhead did for a while. We actually made a record and and it never got released. I mean, I did the whole record and uh, I don't know what happened. I don't know why they. Uh, oh, you know, I'm missing a whole band. I missed a whole band. In Which there. one? See, back in the early '90s, I knew I, there was a hole somewhere. I moved out of town for a year down to Orange County in '93. Yeah. And I joined a band called Vitamin L. Well, you talked about that other OC band. Yeah, but this is that was a different guy. It was about the same time, you know. It was, it was after, like right after that other OC band. I found, yeah. but this band I found through my girlfriend who was here in town. She knew the guys in the other band, and that's how I got the audition. I did that band for about a year, and I also made a record with them, but no tour. So but that's record, your first record. First, well, first recording was Joyride doing. No, where well, you have a, that was a, a demo studio record. Released record, yeah. This is nineteen ninety three. There was a it was a full length record. I think it was it was like seventy three minutes long. It was a really long record, you know. Yeah. As much time as you could put on a CD at the time and release it is how much music we put on the fucking thing. There's the jams. <laughs> no, it was all songs. songs. Old songs, yeah. They were all you know, it was more complex music. It was more um uh it was kinda like Primus and, and a little bit like Fishbone and stuff that was going on at the time. And uh you know, a lot of complex a lot of multi parts in the songs, long songs. Anyway, what it did all with the, that, huh? What happened with that then? We made a record, and uh, we did a lot of shows in OC and some up in LA. Uh, and then what? 
and and then I I, I quit the band. Okay. <laughs> And was, you went to go do Chiselhead yeah. and Sugarcoat, yeah. Sugarcoat. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of there. Yeah, I did that for okay. like a year. I just kind of I, Sugarcoat I, that falls was my apart. Longest. Chiselhead turns into even root. Yeah, yeah. And Chiselhead okay. after a few years of that, no more even root. But then at that time, well, what's I was no, already you talk about the even no, root. but what's I was already root? playing with you at the time because I was doing the Madonna bees. Well, starting while I was doing the Chiselnut. Starting thing. because even root. You were doing at that time too. Yeah, I did. In fact, you like were doing little tours with them. Yeah, '98. I started playing with those guys because they they decided. Oh, to. it is. If yeah. it's '98, then it is after. Madonna yeah, well, I already done Madonna Bees with yeah. you for a couple yeah. years. I was already yeah, doing that. I told, I told you, Madonna Bees started with Ron Dinkins. Yep. And Dezo. Yep. Dezo's out. Okay, I'll do this at my practice pad because I want to practice every day. I didn't have, really have idea of gigs. Nope. And uh, Ron, okay. And uh, Barilli's across all. Barilli says he wants to do it. He writes something weird on my hatch. And, okay, come over here. And uh, we practice his pad, too. And uh, then, um, yeah, some freakouts. Who? Dinkins? No, not Dinkins. Well, Barilli? Dinkins <laughs> would have some drama, but Barilli had the big freakout. So, got to find another drummer, you know? And Ron said, don't worry. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I found out, yeah, he found another drummer. Now, I didn't know that he found out using my name in the recycler. But I actually answered that. That's ad. what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's but, how you got but, in that. But band. no, this is not how I got into it. I'm going to tell you what happened was that he had put the ad out. And this was a year or two before I started playing with you. He put the ad out. I know, because it was after He was looking for a drummer yeah. for playing Madonna songs with Mike Watt. And I saw this ad in paper. Well, I go, really? And I that's what know. he put in there. Dude, so you I got to understand, I, I didn't know he was running that ad, okay? I had no idea. Yeah, I know. That's like, yeah, it, apparently it wasn't the best way to go find it. But drummer. anyway, you... I answered why? the ad you and I went... It. Well, I answered, I went and met Ron. Yeah. And after I met Ron, I didn't want to do it. Because <laughs> Ron... Just tripped me out. It was it was just kind of everything was strange. The behavior was strange, where he was living, just his his mentality. I didn't think he was serious. I thought he was faking the whole thing because it just didn't seem real. Yeah, and uh, it didn't. So I like I kind of blew him off. But then you know, a couple years later, you saw me playing, and you're the one that came or called me and asked me if I wanted to do it because I think you you talked to my roommate at the time and got my phone number from my roommate and gave me a call. So I thought it was Ron. Nope, it was you. Dude, it was Ron. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Ron was like the, the couple years before, nothing happened with that. You saw me play at at the... All right, and all then right. You so you come me. over there. Yeah, you And all me. of a sudden, after a few months, there's dancers. Yeah. Well, we started doing well, it. first... No, no, we no, started... No, it was just practice. It, it was, was just practice. practice. It was like... It first, was, there's a dancer in the room with us. Then there's two more dancers in the hallway. Well, you had you had. Uh, uh, oh, God, well, the one the first dancer actually sang with us too. Yeah. yeah. Okay, sang with Ron, yeah. and then uh, actually ended up doing some gigs because uh, I had just done some porno for pyro stuff, and Pear had some dancers. I thought, fuck, he's got he does gigs with dancers. I'm gonna try this too. So we get a gig at Sacred Grounds. And it's actually the first time I saw the dancers because they were always in the hallway. You know, never saw them. We couldn't. Yeah, they were doing their routine out of sight. They yeah, were doing was, practice yeah. with us. 
We just but, opened up the door, but they're out in the hallway doing their thing. We never saw them. I saw Glenda, but she didn't really do her dances as much as sing along with us. She didn't really have the synchronized moves with the other girls. No, the she other ones, and yeah. that's why they were practicing. Yeah. But never saw them, and that's why I first saw them was when we did that gig, and I wore a mouse suit. Yeah. And uh, I think the next day we went up to K-Rock and got interviewed by some clowns up there. Yeah, but we showed and, up in our uh, costumes and we brought the No, actually suit. it wasn't the next night. It was No, it was a couple gig. of days. It was the next gig because we played we Jabberjaw. We at Jabberjaw that night. Before that gig, we went to the K-Rock. That's right. But it wasn't too short. It was a month or two after this gig. Well, the, well, the thing I remember... And what happens, Ron had a fucking freak out. Had a freak out. He did. And, and then I went on, you know, okay, whatever. And uh, I went on tour. And I guess during the tour, he really had a freak out. He went to Sacred Grounds and through his uh, the coffee shop where we played. And he smashed his keyboard in the front of the coffee shop. Uh, free coffee because and he helped make them famous or something. There, there was other things that happened. And he kind of just so all of a sudden, Ron's out. Yeah. Whoa, what a place to leave you at. Uh, some Madonna Bee drama there. Didn't mean to have you hanging, but let's do some more music. Jimmy, take your medicine. Take your Ritalin, Jimmy. He's the only honest man in the whole damn room. He likes messing with his head, doing acid and shrooms.
Watt from Pedro Show, a last bunch of music for uh, this edition. Uh, as soon as I tell you the names of these tunes, we'll go to the last chunk of Jer uh, ruminating about his old music days, how he got going, why he is where he is now, and. Um, Actually, we just played a couple tunes from uh, two of the bands he's talking about. We started off that chunk there with Tourette's by Even Rude, chair drum for them. And then Ride of Spring uh, from Vitamin L. He talked about them too. And for that, we had uh, our very own San Pedro, great band, Toys That Kill from their new album, Cold Boys. Respect to you, Mr. Todd. And then finally, we heard piece number one, something from a gig on October 2nd, 2008. Uh, Joe Berardi, Emily Hay, Toka Honda. God, I'm... Same thing has happened with El May, you know? Toka Honda, El May, they got a gig. It's the day I'm leaving for Stooges shows. You know? Or, it's the night I got another gig or something. I don't go to that many gigs, except, of course, the ones I work, but there are some I really want to see. I wish circumstances let me. Anyway, enough of the suspense. Back to uh, Jer. And is, uh, yeah, we left you in the middle of some uh, Madonna B drama, and don't want to do that. Let's resolve it. Watt from Pedro Show. And, 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 and uh, Ron's out, and so. You said you knew somebody from a wedding band, which you have neglected to mention. You're talking about all these rock bands. I forgot. Because actually you know, the whole play... thing about the wedding band is I didn't do it very much. I was just you still did it. I did because a lot. I, I really did a lot. Chair, yeah. this is important because yeah. this is your connection with Pete Mazich, who ends up in Madonna Bees and then ends up 
second minute. That's okay. We can hit the rewind button right now. We'll go uh, back. Okay. What happened was went back. Well, this back, guy had a wedding band and yeah, he needed a drummer in, to fill in when the other guy flaked. In right? like eighty nine or ninety, yeah. I, I started getting calls from Pete Mazich once in a while to fill in for his drummer when he couldn't do the wedding. Right. And it was all polkas and waltzes yeah, yeah. and then rock and roll at the end. You know, they do it for traditional uh, the Italian and the Croatian Slabs, weddings. Yeah. The Slab weddings are in town. And once in a while, I get these calls, and, and, and uh, I, would, I would basically do no practice, maybe a practice, and yeah. then go out and do four hours of music. Yeah, I know. And it was, it was Pete snapping his fingers for the tempo and saying what time signature is, go. And that's how I did all the songs yeah. all night long. And they're and doing traditional punk Yeah, a lot of the stuff was just yeah. you know, circle of fifths round in circles over and over again. And, and just follow the bass player. Slab dance music. Italian yeah. dance. And I, I kind of for started, yeah, I started figuring out. But like, when we, uh, Ron's out of the picture, you uh, it's mentioned that I you meant, know yeah, somebody who knows organ. I knew I knew a guy that played Hammond organ yeah. and sang. And yeah. used, and, and used, so he comes in. For some reason, he wants to wear... Because Ron was dressing up like Madonna, I guess. So Pete... No one ever told him to do that. I never told him to put on a wig and a dress and shit. Yeah, but it wouldn't but look he right did. unless then, he did Then something. his wife, Lil, ends up in the band singing with Glenda. But Glenda starts being more... A dancer, kind of. And, uh, yeah, it ends up a seven-person band. It was a pretty big band. We were doing a bunch of gigs. But it came time for me to... You know, I'm I'm doing other projects. I'm doing other. I'm going on tour again. Yeah. And so I don't really need this everyday prac band. And even though we were doing gigs and they were fun, especially with the Mazichs, that, that was really interesting. Because the Ron Deacons one was actually the only two gigs, but it was, it was. many practices. Uh, you did years of it. Many practices. Yeah. yeah. With Borelli and then with the. Uh, I th- you. I think I said okay. something when, when, when I think I said something when I joined and I go, hey, I know you've been doing this for like three or four years and you haven't done a gig. I mean, is this all we're going to yeah, do? I, I do all th- kinds of gigs. But then we started doing. I just wanted to see. Get I the never thought of that, that band. I, was, I never thought of that band as a gigging band until those. Da- and how did those dancers get in the band? I don't know. Yeah, me either. <laughs> Must have been Ron Dinkins. Well, I think Ron knew them for the coffee. They shop. were like from Don. No, they would hang down at the coffee shop where Ron was hanging really? out, and he met them. They're not people. One of the girls is. One of the girls, I think, is Pete. No, no. Those were Dondo people. Really? And Glenda was, like, even further. She was from out there, too. Yeah, I, I used to have to pick her up with Ron. I know, so did I. These guys didn't have transpo. But anyway, it was fun for the practice. And then when we did the gigs, they were trippy. They were weird. But Great. they ended up... This I like the organ-based drums. And so I wanted to have a band called... Second men for my second second opera and use those elements for a power trio. Yeah. But before that, I take you on tour with Tom Watson. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's the late nineties. <coughs> no, early two thousands. Late nineties. Like Vince. Two thousand and one. First, I take Vince out with Tom. Then I take you out with Tom. Mm-hmm. So that's like two thousand one. But I was there. They're, they're the pair of pliers. You're the John and Terry show. Yeah, the, the, but there was the, the, the even root thing. You know, that kind of happened. No, I'm with, talking about my with me. With you, yeah. That was yeah. That was after Just even root. I think did West Coast tours. I right? did like little West Coast tours yeah. with them all the way up to Washington and out to the. Did desert. you guys record? I did a demo with them, a five song demo, which you know I. In, I listened back to it and I realized it was just done poorly because it was done in the middle of the night. Never recommend that for drumming. Always want to be fresh. 
Yeah. Not start at midnight. Well, that Minutemen <laughs> was done like that. Really? Because it was Morikano, dude. You just, oh, whenever you had the chance. It was that. It no, was it, was that. Called, it was called Downtime. Oh, the Midnight would be half. Yeah. No, Midnight to Eight. It would be half price. That That's how. You also used use tape. Yeah. You know, we had to. It was Morikano. But I, I know what you mean. I think I did. Better that. than if you had your choice, yeah. it's better not to. But it was called last minute because it, it was all done on a budget. So it was a last minute call. There was free studio time somewhere. And I basically. Anyway, got, why'd you quit those guys? Uh, I don't know. I think too many circles in the desert. We really weren't going anywhere but circles in the desert. Not going any further than Arizona and any further northern. Yeah, California. in this band, though, you met your wife. Sort of. She was at my house at the time hanging out with my roommate's buddy. And she was helping out the band, too. She was helping them sell merchandise. So, in a way, shows. even Rude was important kind in of life. To help me, yeah, the connection to my wife was definitely there. That's what I said. Okay, so I start taking you around, but the idea is to make a second opera with pizza. And we finally do that in 2004 here in uh, Pedro. Yeah. At uh, Karma. Karma Recording, which is not there anymore. Yeah, it's called Bad Fish now. It's a store that sells clothes, records, records. Yeah, uh, maybe some fish. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I haven't walked in there. I yet. was there. Rudy took me to see his boy, Big Nick. They played in the they back. Pogoed right on me. Yeah, <laughs> I was sitting on the couches, and the dudes were slamming right on me. The guy told me they put the couches there to hide Cushion. the holes. No, from their knees, they fly. These are young. These are like fourteen-year-old kids. <laughs> Flying into the walls. And Go shit. ahead first, ask questions later. <laughs> For their knees, probably. You know. Maybe their heads. It's three stooges. Yeah, they're young. They're like rubber. Anyway, we did that. And uh, you could only do partial tours after that. Who, me? After 2004, I could only... After the I, album. Yeah, because... Uh, so that's I, where I get Raul Morales to fill in. Yeah, because I, I got my job uh, full-time as a longshoreman. Right. And same thing with Pizzo. Pizzo was kind of waiting for that same to happen. Thing. And he was behind me, though, in the count. But um, He just got his book. Toothless Grin. This is something that that you got with uh, Matt Waskovich. You and Matt Waskovich got together. I'm not sure if if, uh, if Petko was part of it, but you and Matt Waskovich and, and John Pekovich and me and Pete Mazich and Raul and pretty f- more. I'm lot. pretty sure Wasco started yeah, it. Wasco started I remember with- his idea was, Here's some lyrics and here's some chords, and that, so I put baselines. That's to what it. the first email was, and 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 you put baselines with click track, yeah. And you did a couple songs, so we did. We thought I thought it was gonna be like a two song project, and and you know guys in New York like Chris Greer and Thurston Moore are part of it, and 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 Byron Cooley, is it Cooley or Coley? Coley, Coley, and he's West Mass. He's West, yeah, but he's East Coast. And, and and these guys, and then over here, Jack Brewer, Tom Watson, me, you, uh, Raul Morales, who plays drums with you now. Basically both the second man and, and the missing man. And Pete Mazich, yeah. and, then, and then Jack Brewer. and uh, Jack Brewer from Saccharine Trust. Yeah. And, uh, and we, so we had three singers and a bunch of people playing, and we started doing all this on the internet. Well, what he means is trading files. Yeah. We actually trading don't file. ever play together. 
We're never in the same room together doing any of the work except for maybe me and Pete. That was but most of it's trading files. Most of, also, it was just getting a bass line and a click track and then look, figure out a part and go into Pete's studio and put the drums down and then everybody else would add their parts and send the file, add yeah. the part and send the file. Yeah. And this started easily two and a half years ago we started doing this. And we're still doing it today. Almost done, though. We're almost done. We actually recorded some stuff last night. Yeah, I think all that's left is uh, two Jack Brewer singing tracks and four... Tom, Tom Watson, Watson but there's also tracks. two more uh, tracks we're all to do drums on. Two That's more. right. And I don't know what okay. we're going to do because... Uh, We've got ten songs all together. It's, a, it's, it's an album's worth of music. Yeah. And, and it's interesting how something like this comes along because there's no prac, you know, and uh, I can only imagine if we had to try to play this live what would happen, you know. <laughs> it's like, would anybody be able to remember what they did, you know? Because there's a lot of layering, there's a lot of things going on, and uh, I remember my part. I, your parts are pretty basic. You, you, I don't think your your parts. You know, you, you, your basic structure. You stick the basic structure so somebody can form around it. It's like you know making a skeleton house for the big gingerbread to go on top. You know, yeah. you're just like the little skeleton, and we're all the little pieces of cake and frosting going on the outside of it. You know, sticking it all together. The big story, right, of your music. Uh, we're going to make another Second Man album next year. Yeah. But what advice would you give to some young person starting off in music? Oh, man. Um, listen to a lot of records because somebody already did it before you. And whatever you're going to do, somebody already did it. Like sort of, you know, in, in the basic sense, you're going to learn from what people have done already. But then you, you can make it your own by throwing your personality into it, you know, whatever your kind of your thing is. With me, it was like, I, I played in so many bands. I mean, I'm just mentioning the bands that I spent some time with, but in reality, I've probably been in more than 40 bands through the years, you know, just in and out of project after project. I always learned something from each band, playing with different people, learning how to play with people, listening to people, trying not to overplay, you know, trying not to underplay. I don't know, just, just a lot of thinking with your brain all the time when you're playing music using your brain and maybe that, don't go through 40 bands that's I don't recommend that that's not the best way to learn it was good for me but that's find like, some people and try but sometimes to stick you're with fine them. to stick with the people that, that are good and try to stick with that one project I think that that if I had found that in the early days I would have been really stoked on that and that would that's what I was looking yeah, for yeah but maybe there's some luck involved with that I didn't have that kind of luck. Well, you know what I'm saying, though, but yes. you're giving that for advice. Because, like, when you started early, it wasn't your first or second band. You really were doing the Minuteman, you know? And that's the kind of thing I wanted to do, but it just, I was bouncing from project to project. It oh, because I had one friend. You had a buddy, and yeah. you stuck with your buddy, and you played, and yeah. that was what I was looking for. I didn't find that. I'm Look, still Jay, like that. I know you got to get over to the docks. you got to yeah. load a boat, right? Yeah, it's a, i got to finish. Right. Boat. The boat's got, it's not going to sail. Till the boat's it. finished, you don't stop. I don't stop till the okay. boat's finished. That's so I want to thank <laughs> you for coming in early then and doing this yeah. with me. Sure. Watch from Pedro show. Well, there you have it. Of course, he left out some stuff, and we rattled on about stuff. Maybe that wasn't so crucial, but it's important, I think, for people to hear Jerry Trebitich's, uh story through music, you know. I just love the guy, and uh, all the folks have on the show, in a way, it's just to prove to people there's many, many, many ways to do music, to come from, 
to be at, to go towards. Okay, so uh, it's just like if you look at your thumbprint, it's unique. And probably your journey is too, even as a listener, even as a gig guard, because what's life about really except taking turns, even at stuff like that, which is most passionate. Uh, Jared said something about uh, Toothless Grin. Oh, man, I'm out of time. But I can tell you that it's a proj that's put together trippy, you know, uh, dudes ain't in the same room. A lot of us are in different parts of the country, all flowing files. Started with uh, Wasco giving me chords and words and then making a baseline and people piling stuff on. Jer was trying to explain, and maybe he did a good job of it. But uh, that's what this is. It's a 10-song album. We're going to be done with it soon. Uh, next week, the Hand of Man Band album comes out. So does the Anywhere album come out. Now check the news part of my Hoot page if you want to know about stuff like that. Also do a couple gigs with Tom Raul next week. Uh, that's MikeWatt.com or HootPage.com. H-O-O-T-P-A-G-E dot C-O-M. Again, um, thank you very much, Jerry Trebitich, for coming on board. Hey, it's the uh, May 31st, 2012 edition of the Waffle Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.